God is so good to us. Again, Merry Christmas from me to you. I'm excited to be here, literally, because church, uh, a few days ago or earlier in the week, I didn't know if I would be. I was struggling. I, earlier this week, I had a fever. I had a, I had a cough. I had, um, what did I, I had all kinds of problems, headache, body ache. And before that, I had a cold for like three weeks. Now, you might be thinking, come on, a cold? Come on, how bad can that be? Listen, uh, and let me talk to the ladies first. Um, Ladies, colds hit us differently as guys, okay? You, you need to know, it just does. This is, I can't believe they don't teach this in school, but it hits us differently. And I, I know because you, you're, because you, uh, you're a, a girl, you can't, exp- you can't, you don't know. But the closest thing I could probably say that would maybe even describe it, that you could maybe understand, is it'd be like, it'd be like you giving birth maybe without an epidural. That's probably what it's like, that's what it's like for us to have a cold. Okay, no, the gals are going to attack me. Adriana's not smiling at all. So, okay, my, my wife is going to hear. Um, anyway, I'll take that back, Jody. I take it back. Um, I, but I was sick, but I'm so glad to be here. Um, we are in a series called The Gifts of Christmas. Say gift. God is a gift giver. And in this series, The Gifts of Christmas, by the way, who's, who's excited to give or receive gifts on Christmas? Raise your hand. Yeah, I mean, you should be. It's good. That's part of Christmas is celebrating God's a gift giver. Um, here's what I would say. Make sure that you're giving a gift that brings joy. And you might say, well, why wouldn't I? Well, some people don't. And I, I got to tell you this story because it's a true story that happened to me as a pastor before I moved to the Omaha area. Um, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where I moved from, I, I was a campus pastor. And I would talk smack sometimes about wanting a Dodge Challenger. You've even heard me say that. The truth is, if I had one, no one would be safe on the road, including myself. So hopefully that never happens. But I talk smack, and this guy on Christmas Eve, just like right now, part of the church, comes into the church, looks at me and says, Pastor, I got you your gift. And I mean, he's serious. So I'm like, what do you mean you got me your, your gift? He said, yep. And he kind of pats his pocket like he's got, like, car keys. And he said, Dodge Challenger. I said, you're kidding. I said, if you're being serious, there is a special place in heaven for you, sir. You just need to know that. And he reaches, I kid you not, he reaches into his pocket, and he pulls out a matchbox car. And he says, there, yeah. And I thought, there is a special place in H-E double hockey sticks for you. I just was like, give the gift that brings joy, not the gift that makes your pastor mad. So, um, let's acknowledge something. It's Christmas Eve. There are maybe people in the room that maybe this is the one or two times a year that you go to church. Uh, and if that's you, I'm not judging you. That was me uh, for over 15 years of my life that I would go. I was a CEO, right? Christmas and Easter only. That's when I went to church, and that was about it. But uh, so if that's you, I, I'm just glad that you chose medals to come to, and I hope you're blessed because of this. But, but sometimes that's the case for big holidays, and we, you might go to appease your grandma or as a, as a Christmas gift to your mom. Or maybe that hot girl that you met online said, hey, if you want a shot at me, you better show up at Christmas Eve service. And you couldn't pick out your Christmas clothes quick enough, right? So, by the way, ladies, if that's what you're telling the guys, good. and if he doesn't go to church, Boom to the curb, okay? You know it. Jesus, he'll, he'll meet you here every week, ladies. Every week. And he'll let you pick where you want to go eat. He don't care. So it's a good thing. But the, the reason I say that is because regardless of 
If you're religious or non-religious, if you're a believer or not a believer, if you're a two times a year Christmas or a Christmas Easter person, or maybe you go to church every week, I came to tell you that God has a gift for you today, and it's good. So we continue a series called The Gifts of Christmas, looking at the wise men and the gifts that they brought to Jesus if you know, a lot of you probably know the story, even if you're not a church person. You probably know that they brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In the series, two weeks ago, we, we learned that myrrh is a spice that you actually use to a, a, anoint dead people with, right? So that symbolized the, the, the sacrificial lamb that Jesus is. Last week, we learned that frankincense is also a spice, little different, though. That would be used by high priests in the temple as they give sacrifices. So frankincense would symbolize Jesus as our great high priest. Today, on Christmas Eve, we look at gold. The most valuable of them all. Gold, a, a gift for royalty. A gift fit for a king. Gold symbolizes Jesus as our king. Not just our king, but the king of kings. Not just any king, but Jesus, and you're going you're gonna to see it, was a king like no other. He was a different kind of king. And, and, and as we get into the message, let me give you the scripture that we, we surrounded the whole series on. Two verses, and then I'm going to give you the rest. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. When the magi, or the wise men, saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child, Jesus, with Mary, his mom. They bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened up their, their treasure chests and they presented him with what we just learned. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I want to go on a journey with you in the short time we have today. And give you the rest of the story. And I, I'm going to tell you up front something pretty cool. You're in the story. And so am I. You're in the story. It's, 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 it's crazy. I wonder if you'll be able to spot yourself who you are in the story. I'm going to take you back to Matthew uh, chapter 2 verse 1. And give you the rest of the story that you're in. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. By the way... Okay, I'm just going to say it. You're not Jesus in the story, okay? There's always somebody, I bet I'm Jesus. No, sir, no one's ever called you Jesus, okay? Satan, maybe, but okay. All right, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the Easter lands arrived in Jerusalem. They asked a question, where's this newborn king? Where's this newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. We've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting quick. He called the priests over and the religious teachers and law. And the, he said, hey, you guys are smart Jewish guys. Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Because the, the Jewish people have been waiting for the Messiah for hundreds of years. So, so, and it's written about, and, and they quoted, the, the, the Jewish people quote the Old Testament here, because they know, they're like, hey, that prophet, what's his name? Micah, Micah in the Old Testament, here's what he said, he said, in Bethlehem, in Judea, this is what Micah the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, 
in the land of Judah are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be a shepherd for my people. Herod, after he heard the prophecy, called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from, the t- from them the time when the star first appeared. And then he said to the wise men, he said, hey, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. When you find him, let me know. You know, come back and tell me so I can go and I can, I can worship him too and I'll give some gifts and gold and stuff myself. So, yeah. So after the interview, the wise men went on their way. So where are they at right now? They're in Jerusalem. Where are they going? They're going to Bethlehem. That's five miles away. Now they've traveled probably a thousand miles. Months it would have taken the wise men. There wasn't three wise men. There was three gifts. We don't know how many wise men there were. You hear that from me all the time. There was probably a caravan because they're traveling with expensive uh, bling and there's robbers. There's thieves all over. So, So Herod says, hey, go five more miles. And they did. It said... It said they went on their way, and the star they had seen kept moving. That's a miracle. Stars are stationary. The star was moving, and it guided them five miles down the road to a little insignificant town called Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, and it stopped right over the place, right over the place where the child was. I wonder if you saw yourself in the story I'll help you if you didn't. There's, there's three really significant characters in this story other than Jesus, and they give three different responses to Christmas, to, to Christ. Um, the responses they gave, they gave 2,000 years ago are still the responses we give today. There are people here today, and this is okay, there are people here today watching online, listening. Um, there are people who are kind of like Herod. They oppose the king. Herod would oppose the king. So, and why would Herod oppose the king? Because the king is a threat. The the king, in this case, and you might think a threat, I mean, come on. The the king at this point is a toddler, okay? How is a toddler a threat? Actually, have you ever had a toddler? I mean, I remember one time, Ava is 17, my daughter's 17 now, it's so hard to believe. I'll tell you, it's a quick trip. Um, When she was three or four, I don't remember. She, you know, toddlers will sometimes get out of their bed and they crawl in with mom and dad. She did that in the middle of the night. Crawled right in between us, and I'll never forget it. And you'll, you'll, hear, you'll know why in a second. Uh, talking about toddlers being safe. They're not safe. So she's sitting and she's laying in, uh, right between us, and her head is right here next to mine, facing her mother. And I'm like, okay, I'll try to go back to bed. And I don't know what happened. She, she was sleeping, and I don't know if she, you know, sometimes you feel like you're falling when you're, when you're, when you're dreaming or something, and you kind of spasm, or she was having just an epileptic seizure, I don't know, but she, she jarred her head back and nailed me in the bridge of my nose, I mean hard, like it felt like a brick, so I literally saw stars, I, it's the only time I've ever seen stars, I felt like a wise man, I was like following the stars, but it, so toddlers, anyway, I'm just telling you, they can cause a lot of pain, but it, it wasn't the physical part of Jesus that um, threatened uh, Herod. It was other things. Like, like Herod was smart enough to know there's, you can't put two kings on one throne. So, so this other king would be a threat to his position, a threat to his possessions, a threat to his, his influence, a threat to his future. This king was a threat. And, and, and people who oppose the king 
if that's you, it doesn't mean that you, you hate God or hate Jesus. It, it, I mean, Herod did, but most people who oppose the king, they don't hate him. They don't hate Jesus. I mean, anybody, even of non-believers like Jesus, he did good things. So, but, but they do understand this, that, 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 that Jesus said it himself. You can't put two kings on one throne. You can't serve like two masters. You, you have to choose. And Jesus makes it clear in the word of God, like we have to choose. And, and honestly, for me, this is me, most of my life, I was the king of the world. I was the king of my world. I was on my throne calling the shots. And Jesus said, well, you can. I mean, you have free will, and he'll let you do it. And there are people that are good doing that, and they're calling the shots, and they oppose any other influencers or kings in their life. That's those like Herod who would oppose the king. The second category, uh, I'll give you a hint. The second category, this is where many, many, many people fall. Most people. Many people like the Jerusalem or the Jewish leaders, dismiss the king, okay? They might love him, they might believe in him, but, but they, just, they just dismiss him. And even, even the Jewish leaders, they were five miles from their long-awaited Messiah, and they wouldn't go five miles to check it out. That blows me away. But you know what? If you start to understand history, you can't blame them. The Jews are expecting their anointed king. Messiah means anointed one. A king has an anointing, right? So when you think of a king, well, here's what they thought of. Royalty, gold, you know, uh, prestige. In other words, they're not thinking, oh, the king's going to be born in a cave. No, the king's going to be born in a palace. Oh, the king's going to be surrounded with royalty. No, they weren't thinking he was going to be surrounded with farm animals, laying in a food trough. They didn't think any of that. That is why, that's exactly why they missed it. They weren't expecting that kind of king. They were expecting a way different kind of king. Have you ever expected something and I got what you, got what you thought you were going to get? I mean, seriously, I'll tell you a story. Sophomore prom. Mullet and everything. I mean, I had it going on. White tux, pink shirt. I mean, someone should have beat me up, actually. So anyway, so I had a girlfriend who was an out-of-town girlfriend. That made me even more prestigious. So what she was expecting when we went to her prom 10 miles away is she was expecting her, her prom date with his white tux and his pink shirt and mullet to, to pick her up in a car and, and drive to prom. That's pretty normal. And I did that. What my date wasn't expecting, speaking of expectations, what she wasn't expecting is that the car that I would pick her up in would be a family truckster, Caprice Classic, maroon station wagon that could comfortably house 24 people in it. She wasn't expecting that. That wasn't in her expectations. Oh, what she also wasn't expecting is that that family truckster, that 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 station wagon with three seats, the third seat facing the opposite direction. What she wasn't expecting is that truckster would hit a skunk on the way to prom. Yeah, so I, true story, I pull up at her house to pick her up, reek like a skunk, me and the car. So what I wasn't expecting, uh, I was expecting to have a nice, long, fun night. I was home early. So anyway, so expectations are a big deal. Nobody expected Jesus to be born like he was born. Son of a carpenter? Ain't no way. You got the wise man, you can go check it out. You got the wrong guy. Sorry. Oh, and as Jesus grew up, nobody expected their Messiah, their anointed one, 
to be hanging out with prostitutes. He would never do that. No one, no Jewish uh, person, especially a religious person, would ever expect this guy to touch lepers and sick people. You could get sick, Jesus, but he didn't care. No one expected that. No one expected a king who would love losers and lowlifes that everybody else would reject. Nobody expected that. Jesus was such a different kind of king. No one expected Jesus or this king to intentionally like select uneducated fishermen, thieving tax collectors, rebellious, no good people, people that break the law to be part of his friend group and be his closest confidants. No one would expect that. It's crazy. Christmas, the religious people that day, Christmas was right underneath their nose, five miles away in a place called Bethlehem, house of bread, and they miss it. But here's the thing. The same thing happens today. There are people, me a lot of my life, who miss it all the time, right? Miss Christmas. Here's the thing about the, the Jewish people, the religious leaders. They had no idea they were missing it. Like, if you were to ask them, they'd be like, we ain't missing nothing. You're, you're the dumb one. You, you ain't wise. How come they call you wise men? You're going and looking at some false king? We're the smart ones. We know scripture. We, we're, they, you would never convince them that they're wrong. They had all the right answers. But isn't that us today? We have all the right answers. Ask me what Christmas is about. I'll tell you. Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. Jesus is the reason for this season. It's not about getting presents. It's about his presence. I mean, we know all the right answers. We do. I knew them all. And I believed them all. But something was amiss. Just like with the Jewish leaders. So if you're new and you don't know much about me, I grew up going to a lot of church. Three times a week. Catholic grade school. I had church in the bank for years. I, uh, I knew all about the traditions. I, in fact, I remember with my family for Christmas Eve, we would go to midnight mass candlelight service. Okay, can I say something? Whoever came, with that, came up with that combination? I mean, a bunch of tired people? Hey, here, let's give you fire. I mean, that's, I don't know. It's just, maybe rethink that. Somebody asked me two, two or three years ago, is Meadows ever going to do a candlelight service? I said, have you seen some of the people that go to Meadows? I mean, <laughs> did you hear about our trailer? I mean, I do. You, okay, I'm just saying. No, we're not giving them fire. Are you kidding me? So, I love you. Uh, I am part of Meadows, and I belong here. So, uh, but what I'm telling you is, they dismissed Christmas, and, and, and they missed it. They, they, they missed it, and I missed it. Listen to me. I knew all about Christmas, and I knew all about Jesus. I just didn't know him. Does that make sense? See, here's what I knew growing up. I knew that you had to be good. Like, I knew that being bad separated me from God. I, I was smart enough to know that. I listened to the priest. That's what he said. I believed it. And, and I knew I wasn't good, okay? And as I got older... And became a drug addict, I really, that didn't make me any better of a person, believe it or not. So I knew that I was not a good person. And, and, and one day, me in my not being good, God showed up in a mighty way. And I didn't hear it audibly, but, but Christ, I believe, himself said, I came for you. And I was at the lowest of lows. Listen, I don't know who I'm preaching here here today too specifically 
I know you look good on the outside, but I don't know what you got going on on the inside. And I came to tell you something. Jesus came for you. You're going through a divorce. Maybe you've been divorced. Jesus came for you. In addiction right now, I know we're in church, but hey, let's get real. Maybe you're in addiction right now. Just like he told me that day, I'll tell you. Jesus came for you. In a financial struggle, maybe you got debt and you got bills just flooding you and drowning you. Jesus came for you. Maybe you're living a lie right here, right now. And the people next to you or around you have no idea. But Jesus knows and he still came for you. Not because you're good. Not because I'm good. But because he is good. He came for you. Oh, he came for you. This is good news for people that are messed up like me. Gosh, it's good. But, but we miss it. And we dismiss it. And we don't even know it. It's crazy. You know, I, I got to share something. When I first start pastoring, you know, as a pastor, you think Christmas and Easter, that's the time when you're going to reach, you know, the agnostics and the atheists and the, the people that hate church and hate God. And you know what I learned in the first few years real quick? Christmas and Easter aren't the times that you reach those people. You, you'll reach some maybe, and that's great. But, but an atheist, they're not more likely to go. I mean, if they're not going to church on that Sunday, Christmas ain't gonna, doesn't really change it normally. You know, you know what God has shown me? This is nuts. God has shown me as a pastor that, that Christmas and Easter aren't the, aren't the best times to reach unbelievers. It's the best time to reach believers who haven't surrendered. That's what, that's what it is. Listen. That's who I was. I believed in Christmas. I believed in Jesus, but I was on the throne. This is my throne, God. I'll call the shots, okay? Don't be telling me where to go and what to do. I'll do it. That was my story. Maybe it's yours. I don't know. There are those that oppose the king. There are those that dismiss the king. That is the majority right there. And those who dismiss the king, they're celebrating, they're celebrating Christmas, and, and, they're, and they're celebrating family, and they do the traditions. I'm telling you, it's all there. It's all here. But it's something's void here. That's the difference. So oppose the king, dismiss the king, and there's group number three. Surrender to the king. This is the wise men. They're not even religious guys. They were astrologers, magi. I mean, they would be known to worship stars in the sky. But something, something in them, it's so crazy, prompted them to go a thousand miles to see some, some kid. And then when they see the kid, they surrender. I mean, the posture, it said they went on their knees. They bowed down and they gave it all. That's a surrender. That's a surrender. That's crazy. They understood they were in the presence of a king. Not just any king, church, but the king of kings. Listen to the scripture out of 1 Timothy 6:15. For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and almighty only God, the king of all kings, the lord of all lords. Jesus wasn't just any king. He was a king like none other, and I'm wondering, do you know that king? Speaking of king, I remember growing up and playing recess at that Catholic grade school, and we'd play a game. I bet you might have played it too. It wasn't just for Catholic kids, I don't think. It was, a, it was a game called the King of the Hill. 
and you got snow, and the plows would, you know, build these big, big, huge mounds of snow, and just mountains, and you'd crawl to the top, and who was ever on top, they were the, I mean, they were the king of the hill. They were the king of the world, right? Leonardo DiCaprio, he thought he was the king of the world. No, Leo, you're the king of dating 22-year-olds. But anyway, I digress. So the king of the world, the king of the hill. And the goal was is to knock the king off. You knock the king off and you're king. My, the reason why I kind of hated the game is because I was a runt. And in eighth grade, I weighed 90 pounds. So I could scale the hill pretty quick. But when I got up there, they'd be like, and I just kind of blow away. So it just, it didn't work for me. But, but Jesus, listen to this. Oh, this is good news for us. Jesus was a king who came to reverse the order of things. So, so Jesus, see, a king is just like that, the king of the hill. They're on top. You're serving them. They have it all, and you want it, and you're going after it, but they're on top. Jesus says, I didn't come to be on top. I came to serve. I, I didn't come that you would just uh, dote after me and love me. I came to love you. He was such a different kind of king. It's so crazy. He flips the order. It's, it's, it, it, it's again, it's why nobody expected Jesus to be the, this anointed king, this king of the Jews. No one expected it. And even as they got older, and, and even, I wrote this down, even as Jesus would go to trial for crimes he didn't commit, see, no one expected that. The, our king would not go to trial and then to be found guilty. An innocent king found guilty, beaten, whipped, and nailed to a cross. Here's what's so crazy about that story. Pontius Pilate was a Roman governor, and he knew, uh, he knew that Jesus was probably who he said he was. In fact, he asked Jesus, you know, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, yeah, it is like you say. And, and Pilate wasn't like, oh, I can't believe you said that. You're a liar. Pilate was like, he didn't even refute it. And Pilate, here's what's really crazy about the story. Pilate, when they put Jesus on the cross, some of you might know this, they, they put a sign above Jesus, and they inscribed on it, the king of the Jews. Pilate put it on there. It's like Pilate's declaring king of the Jews. He even put it in three languages, Aramaic, Greek, and Hebrew, just to make sure everybody knew. And the word of God says the Jewish people were so ticked off about it. They're like, take that down. He, 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 or change it and say he said he's the king of the Jews. Pilate's like, Nine, no, I'm leaving it. Pilate, it's like Pilate knew. Something in us knows. Pilate was created by Jesus. Jesus was going to the cross to save Pilate and to save you and to save me. It's so crazy. No one expected it. And what does, the king, what does that king do after he's on the cross, hanging there? The first words he utters to the people that killed him, yeah, forgive them. And they don't know what they're doing. Says it to the father, forgive them. Jesus was such a different kind of king. They don't know what they're doing. And Jesus would hang there for a few more hours, and he would say, it is finished, and he would die. Jesus just went from being the king of the Jews, the king of the world, to a dead king. A king, a dead king put in a borrowed tomb. And here's what I want you to know about that story. At that point, nobody believed. All hope was lost. 
people, people want to ask, Mary, did you know? Right? Like the song, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would someday rule creation? You know, you, I could sing to you all day, but I'm not going to spoil you. So um, <laughs> here's the thing. I think Mary knew at times, and other times she didn't. Here's what I'll tell you, and I, you can take this to the bank, and I'll, I'll show you. When they took Jesus, her son's dead body off a cross, Mary didn't know anything. She knew nothing. Everything she thought she knew. What about John, the disciple that stayed? He, I tell you what, John probably didn't believe more than any other disciple. He saw Jesus' dead body. Nobody looked at Jesus' dead body, I've said this before, and said, you know what? He's going to be okay. He, he's going to bounce back. It's only a flesh wound. No one said that. John saw a mangled dead body. Careful. So John, John knew. I mean, when Jesus stopped breathing, everybody stopped believing. And here's how I can, t- here's how I can tell you to take that to the bank. I want you to think about somebody in your life that you love dearly. For parents, it's probably maybe going to be a child or a spouse, if you're getting along that day, right? So it'd be a spouse or a kid. If you're not married, it could be um, a niece or a nephew, a sibling, a mother, a father, a best friend. You get it. Think of somebody that you desperately and dearly love. Like you couldn't, you would never want to live without them. And that person dies. And God sends an angel named Gabriel to you. And the angel says, hey, don't don't sweat it. You don't even need to grieve too much. Because in 72 hours, your kid, your spouse, your friend, whoever, that person you love... I'm gonna, I'll raise them back up. You remember where they're buried, right? Yeah, yeah, I know where they're buried, over there. Yep, that's, well, that's where they're going to, I'll raise them up right there. Okay. If that happened to you, let me ask you a question. On that third day, on that morning when it's the 72nd hour, are you like hitting snooze and just kind of sleeping in? Are you going to pick up laundry and do some dry cleaning and run errands and maybe if you get there on time, you, you'll, you'll, you'll see your loved one or you'll just do it the next day? No. Here's what you're doing. You're there camped out. You're there before the 72 hours is up waiting for them to burst forth. That's what you're doing. You know where Mary, the mother, was? Neither do I. She wasn't at the tomb. You know where John was? The one who Jesus loved so much? He wasn't at the tomb. Nobody was. If they really believed that Jesus, and Jesus said it over and over, three days later, all done, I know what he said. They didn't believe it. And that, when they, in that moment, they didn't believe it. Because if they did, they'd be there. I mean, they'd be like, get the champagne, get the balloons, uh, you know, grab the fireball. We're partying, man. They're going to come back to life. It's going to be awesome. I don't know why fireball came out there, but it did. So anyway, but th- that didn't happen, did it? In, in fact, Mary, Mary did go to the tomb. Not, not the mom, Mary Magdalene, a woman that he delivered from demons. She ended up going to the tomb with some other women that's who went to the tomb, but they weren't going to celebrate. Oh, yay, Jesus. They, you know what they were going to do? Anoint a dead body. They had myrrh, spices with them. That's what they were doing. Do you know why? Because they weren't expecting there to be a live person there. I say it this way. Nobody expected there to be nobody. Nobody did. And the women show up to anoint a dead body. And guess what there was? Nobody. Do you know why? Because the king of kings, And the Lord of lords 
the sinless, spotless Lamb of God brought himself back to life. Now that, my friend, is a king worth following. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? Every time I say that, I think of that video. I don't know if you've seen it. A pastor, S.M. Lockridge is his name. He did this little thing. You know what? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I don't want to take any chances. Here's a three-minute snapshot of your king and who he is. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is lighter. That's a lot of adjectives to describe one man. 
And that doesn't even do it justice. So, let's close our time. Back to the question. What camp are we in? What person are we in the story? Do I oppose him? Do I dismiss him? Or have I surrendered everything to him? The dismissing was so interesting. It said the Pharisees couldn't stand him. The Pharisees are the religious people. We're not into religion too much at Meadows. If you come long enough, you'll figure it out. But just not into Jesus, into truth and grace and love and hope. In fact, if there's one word to describe our church, I would love it to be hope. It's here today. It's wrapped in a manger 2,000 plus years ago. Went to a cross and then ended up in a tomb, but didn't stay long. The Pharisees, the dismissers, they didn't hate Jesus because of what he did. It's weird. They never even, they, they saw the miracles. Many of them did. They didn't ever dispute it. They saw it. You can't dispute it. That guy couldn't walk, and now he is. And that guy couldn't see, and now he's over there doing, you know, just looking at that and seeing that. They never disputed it. You know what they hated about Jesus? What he, what he claimed. It's what they hated. It's what he said. Like, you know what bothered them? I wrote it down. He claimed to have the authority, the audacity and the authority to forgive sins. Hated it. That, 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 that this Jesus claimed to be greater than their prophets that they loved. You claim to be greater than Moses. You claim to be greater than the Sabbath. You claim to be greater than the temple. You, than all the other prophets. You claim to be greater. You claim to be the resurrection and the life. That's what he claimed. They couldn't stand it. He claimed to be the light of the world. Heck, he claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. And he took it even a step farther. And he claimed to be the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, God in the flesh. And I want somebody here to know that that is exactly who he is and more. He's everything he said. People will let you down. You know that already. People will lie to you. People will set you up and then fail you. Jesus won't. You know how the story of the wise men ended? It's, it's one more verse. I didn't even put it up here, but I can tell you. It's probably Matthew 2, 12. Here's what it said. God showed up to them in a dream and said, hey, leave, different, leave a different way than you came. Avoid Herod. And they left. I love it. Don't miss it. The wise men left everything to meet a king. They bowed down and they surrendered to him. And they left different than when they came. That is my prayer for us today. Many people for Christmas or Christmas service, you're kind of just passing through. And I get it. Traditions. Got to get to grandma's house. Got to open gifts. We got a meal here. We got a Christmas there. We got a blah, blah, blah there. And church is just kind of something you check off the list. It was, that was me. I was a drug addict and now I'm a pastor. God, if he can do it in me, what does he want to do in you? My biggest prayer is that 
your knowledge or no lack of knowledge, that whatever's up here will flow here today and Christmas will be real because this is what I know. There's billions of people celebrating Christmas. There won't be, all those billions of people won't be meeting Jesus someday. And they know the right reasons and they know, they know that what, what it's all about. I know, I knew everything too, but I was living my life on my terms, on my throne. I hadn't surrendered nothing. Gold. It's a, it's a, it's a precious, valuable gift. But grace is way more valuable than gold. And that's what I offer you through God today is grace. How do you describe it? I love the acronym. God's riches, they're way better than gold. God's riches available at Christ's expense. Jesus paid a penalty and a price that we cannot pay. I put a post out on social and I mean every word of it. I should be dead gone, lost everything. I'm telling you, if you could get a glimpse, you'd run from the church probably. You're like, that dude ain't no pastor. I want you to know him. I want you to leave different. I'm going to pray for you. I love you so much and God loves you so much more. Despite what you're going through, God loves you. He's with you to meet you. You're saved by God's grace through your faith, believing in Jesus. But when that happens, you'll want to, it'll prompt you to surrender. I did, the, I believed, but I was still living my life on my terms. The devil believes, right? He always has. He just hasn't surrendered anything to Jesus. Today, surrender everything. Whatever you've been holding on to, Whatever hurt or lies or insecurities, surrender to him. I pray you have a Merry Christmas. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, we thank you for our king. I don't want to just know of him or know about him or talk about him, I want to I surrender to him. I want that for everybody here today. There are people here, God, I know it. They're like, they were like I was. They've been celebrating Christmas as long as they've been alive. But something in them is just sick and dead and dying. And they may not even understand what it is or what's going on. You do. God, I, I do. I was a dead man in a, in a closet. I was a dead man in a car. I, I've been dead so many times. I don't know, but you're a resurrector. You don't fix things up. You make things new. God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that many today will surrender and say, I don't want to just know about Jesus. I want to know him. I believe by faith that he is the son of God, the savior of the world, and I surrender my life. If they will not just say that, but then just posture it with a, a, an act of surrender. You'll do the rest. When our faith and your grace collide, lives change forever. That's what we want this Christmas. Jesus, 
Thank you for being our king like none other. You would hang out with people like me. You are definitely a king like no other. Thank you for loving us in our mess, in our frailty, in our filth, in our in our in just a train wreck of a life some days. You meet us right in the wreck, but you don't leave us there. You pick us up and then you tell us, you know what? You can leave a different way than you came. I know you came in this way, and man, you you were not looking too good. But now you've met me. I'll take you on a different path, a different journey, a different way, and you'll never be the same again. Church, I'll just add, if any, any decisions you're making, any prayers that you need, that's exactly what those Connect cards are for. You can give them to guest services. We'll celebrate you. We'll pray for you after you leave. You are loved by the King of kings and Lord of lords. Don't you ever forget it. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today, but don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.